I hope you're feeling the presence of God today. If not, uh, open your heart. God wants to touch your heart and your life in all the ways he offers that in his grace. Certainly a new life he gives, uh, his word that challenges to live a new way, and always by his love for us. May you receive that today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the last of a series, five things we do to mess up our lives. Today is the last of those things, and as I've said often throughout this series, we ha- there's more than five, but we narrowed it down to five, and we feel like they're really the five biggest things that we have seen as pastors, I have seen, where people just kind of mess up their lives with these behaviors or choices or uh, decisions that we make. So look at number five today, and I'm going to begin by reading the Bible for you, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 the end of that chapter. In that reading, you'll probably get a pretty good idea what I'm going to talk about today, but I'll make it more specific as we go through the message. So please hear this word God has for you this morning. Do you not know those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things, They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I'll show you a picture. Uh, you might recognize this person here, Michael Phelps, and there he is wearing one of the wreaths we're talking about in this scripture text. Uh, made out of olive uh, leaves, and, and in those days, those games had been going on a long time. Uh, running was one of the, one of the, the events that they would be a part of. Uh, wrestling, boxing, Olympics have been around for a long time before the time of Jesus Christ. Every four years they did it. It's part of their journey. And so everybody knew what he was talking about. Athletes work really hard trained for many years to run in a race to get that wreath on their head. And he said, how much more will those who work that hard, you know, to get that perishable thing that just kind of dries up, how much harder should you work and live and serve to get the imperishable one, the one that is eternal, as you think about life in Christ? So that's the illustration that Paul uses. What I'm using today is a biblical word. And the theme for the message today, the last of the five things we're talking about, the follow-through. Fifth thing we do to mess up our lives, we don't follow through sometime. We give up, we quit, we don't stay the course, we raise the white flag. Whatever term you want to use, I chose to use this, that we have to go all the way with a follow-through for God to bless us like God wants to. And I'm going to tell a story about a man named Gordon McDonald. He's one of my favorite authors. I've read most books that he's written. Now, Gordon McDonald today is in his 70s, uh, not quit by any means. He's the president of Denver Seminary. Uh, he's written many, many books, uh, he's preached many, many sermons, led many, many churches, worked with, worked, led World Vision for some years, gives you now the kind of thing that he does, a worldwide ministry. Uh, so he has done all kinds of successful things. He's also experienced amazing failures in his life as well. He's hit some really solid walls in his journey, including moral failure. Nearly destroyed his ministry, nearly destroyed his marriage, but didn't do either. Uh, he now has been married almost 50 years. Tells you how he was able to overcome that. But he decided very early in his life, he says this story, when I was a young man, I realized something about me. And that was, I had a quitter's gene. It was in me to quit. That was my nature. 
That's how I understood myself. And so I was always tempted to quit. And so I began really journeying about how to get past that, around that, over that, through that. And I began asking questions such as, why do some people finish what they start? Why do some persevere despite moments of adversity? Why do some push themselves to reach their potential? And, of course, why do some do not? So that's a little bit of what we're talking about today. And he, somewhere in his life, he was able to overcome that and go past that. And he's still serving God today, a president of one of the major seminaries in the United States. How do we follow through on our life? You know, any sports person knows something about follow through, uh, knows that in baseball, the follow through often is the difference between a little leaguer and a big leaguer, you know, between hitting it over the fence and hitting it just, you know, a few yards. You know, those who play golf recognize the same thing. You want to hit it very far, you better follow through. The follow through is the key. Even volleyball, you heard talking about, you want to slam that volleyball on the other side, you better, you better follow through. Don't just tap the thing. You know, the follow-through is a huge part of being able to get where you want to be with any athletic event. And it's the same way with following Christ, being a Christian, living the godly life. We have to follow through, and so many don't in our culture because our culture is so much about what we enjoy or like or pleases us that we very easily jump from here to there and miss what could have been. So we decided we wanted something else. It's very common today. And so I want to share my first thought about this uh, theme, follow-through. And that is that God does his best work in the follow-through. That's where the greatest miracles and accomplishments in life is lived during that season of life. Whether it be a few months that we're journeying through something or a lifetime. Whether it be a cause we're working on or, or we're trying to get through a difficulty or simply our entire life in one complete picture. Now, when you look at the Bible characters, you will see this again and again and again. It's a recurrent theme how God works in people's lives. And I'll name some. Moses, Samson, the Apostle Paul, who wrote these words today. Uh, Jacob, Priscilla, Ruth, Esther, Joseph, John, Peter. When you read about their life, they had ups and downs, successes and failures. Uh, they had great days and awful days. Yet we discover in their life, often the greatest moments came during their follow-through. On the back end of what might have appeared to be failure, certainly on the back end of their lives toward the end, they accomplished the most many of them did. Look at Moses and, and Samson and Esther and see their story. It's amazing to recognize that's true, how, how God walks with them, builds their relationship helps them through the ups and downs of life. They choose not to quit, and there on that back end, God does amazing things. Again, God works the greatest miracles in our lives many times during our follow-through. So what does that mean if we quit or stop or choose not to keep on? We miss it, and many times we do. We missed what could have been because we raised the white flag. Do not follow through. That's the first important point I want to share with you today. Second is this, if we don't quit, we give God a chance to decide the outcome of our lives, of that story that's being written or that difficulty we're trying to get through or that success we're trying to achieve. If we don't quit, then God can decide the outcome and God gives us that choice. 
Now, God's going to be faithful. God's always faithful. But he gives us a choice to say, I'm going to keep on or I'm going to quit. That's still ours to decide. You know, the Bible teaches that again and again and again as well. This passage says that, certainly. Uh, that I can choose to quit or keep on. I can choose to stop or keep running. I can choose to raise the right fl- white flag and surrender because things are not going my way or give God a chance to take me where he wants me to go to a place I would never see or dream of in all of my life. And I've been a, a minister long enough, been a Christian long enough to see that so many times to where I might have been tempted to raise the white flag or quit or surrender. It's difficult, it's hard, it's not going like I wanted to do, it's tougher than I wanted it to be or I'm just tired. But when I keep on, then I say, so that's what God had in mind. If I quit, I never would have seen it. And most often it's bigger than I think it was going to be or I anticipated. Or it's a surprise. And I'm glad when God surprises me in my life. So we have to recognize that if I don't give up, despite all the difficulties I'm going to experience, that I'm going to allow God that at that point, God to decide the outcome of my life or my day or the situation I'm struggling through. We allow God to do that, then God's all-sufficient work in our life creates amazing things for us. And I see many people, many times, that they take that away from God. They don't allow God to decide the outcome because they decided on their own saying, I quit. I surrender. I'm stopping. I'm not running anymore. And when that happens, I think even God will say many times, I don't know what to do now in your life because I need to get you here. So I can do this. Don't give up. (laughs) Don't give up. It's not just what I believe. It's how I believe. And that's two very different things. Faith is not just, I believe these things about God. Faith is how I believe and live that out in my journey. Sometimes that's those last few steps or that last part of the swing. And God cares about those decisions that we make in our life. So we don't quit. We give God an opportunity to decide the outcome. I believe that firmly. I believe the Bible teaches it. I've experienced it in my own life. I believe it's true. And I believe it's an intense part of our decision to decide not give up on our journey as Christians, our following Christ, our belief in God, our connection to the God's church, and all the things that make up the Christian journey. Now I'm going to share a story about Emily Brown. Maybe a few here might recognize that name, but uh, she's been a cross-country champion, national that's big time uh, racing and running. She's still well known in racing circles for many of them. Uh, and Emily Brown's probably in her 30s today. She uh, was asked to, get to talk about one of her coaches she had when she was in college age, a little past college age. At that time, she made the decision uh, to get really serious about running, uh, to get past the college coaching stage and pick a professional coach who was going to help her go to the next level and become a pro runner. And here's what she writes, and I'm going to quote from her. When I was struggling to come back from an injury or disappointed over a bad race, talking about this new pro coach, I was looking for someone to tell me, you're too good to give up, or this is what you're meant to do. Instead, my coach would tell me, grow up, be a woman. If you don't want to do this, the door is open. And if you want to do this, and here's his words, then stop crying and get to work. That's a lot for her to take, to go from, it'll be okay, to stop crying and get to work. And, and later on, she began to realize he was not being insensitive to me. 
but he forced me to address my fears and what I really wanted, my desires. I just sit back and really look at myself and say, okay, why are you afraid of failure? Why are you afraid to do this? And what do you really want? Do you want to win the race? Do you really want to follow Christ? Do you want to be a Christian? Do you want to serve and love and live for God? Do you want to follow the journey God's given you? Do you really want that? And she went on to say, I am thankful for him not telling me what I wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear. The follow through. So hear the words. Stop crying and get to work. Because that's part of what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We say, I accept you as my Savior, Lord. And that grace and forgiveness and salvation comes to us. He says, follow me, let me show you a new way. And we follow. And it's not easy to be a Christian. said it before, but it, it's easy to be one. But it's hard, to, it's, it's hard to live that out. It's hard to follow. It's hard to, to do what God wants us to do in our life. It's easy to become a Christian. Hard to be one are those words. Well, here are some of the ways that we really need to, to do this. And I'm going to give you some simply ideas for you. Very simple things. Things you probably say, oh, I know that. Uh, but I want you to see how serious they are today. The first thing is, we've got to stay close to Christ. Got to stay close to Christ. That's our task to do. He's going to be close to us. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. But we have to decide, I want to live a life that is close to Jesus. I don't want to get separated in that relationship. Because a relationship takes two people, Right? And that's what God wants, and we must want it as well. I'm going to tell one of my favorite jokes. You may have heard it before. It's been quite a few years since I shared it, but I'm going to share it today. Because the picture in my mind that I see when I tell this joke just really says a lot to me. It's it's really a cartoon, what it is. It was uh, written many years ago or drawn many years ago. Uh, It has a picture. I'm going to kind of describe it for you. Uh, It's a, uh, a couple, an old cowboy couple in about a 1950s pickup truck. Pickup truck is all beat up. Uh, he's got torn jeans. She's wearing an old, uh, uh, you know, farmer's kind of dress there in that car or that, that truck. And they're driving down the road. He's sitting on the driver's side. And he's got his elbow out the window, right hand on the steering wheel. He's got a cigarette sticking out of his mouth, you know, going down the road. Uh, it's just, on the other side is his wife. Her elbow's out the other window. And she's kind of leaning out there. They're not talking, doing anything, going down the road. Uh, and she begins to wistfully talk about the past. I remember years ago when we first got married, you know, you would be driving and I'd be sitting right next to you and you'd have your arm around me and I'd have my, my head on your chest. We'd be going down the road, you know. I miss those days. And, and his response to her was, I ain't moved. <laughs> you know, and, and that's a, a silly image, but it's so true. You know, God's not moving. Christ is crucified. The tomb is empty. His word is solid and sure and the same. So if anybody moves, it's not God. Anybody moves, it's not Jesus. Anybody moves, it's not the faith of the church. We're the ones that have moved. And so we have to move. We have to keep moving. We have to stay close to Christ. And you know how to do that. In church this morning is one of the ways to do that. Singing and worshiping with Stephanie and Jason is another way. Uh, prayer is a third way, and reading the scripture is important, but there are many ways you do that, but that's your task to do. You know, so I could say, you know, if, if we feel like that we're not as close to Christ as we used to be, well, stop crying and get to work. You know, that's right? Okay, that's how that works. 
Well, secondly, with, the, with this idea, these ideas, don't give up on the church. Don't give up on the church. So easy to do. Uh, there's a thousand reasons to give up on the church any given day. There's only one reason to hold on to the church. You know, if anyone had reasons to quit on people, it was Jesus. Denied, betrayed, questioned. You know, all the things happened to Christ, but he went to the cross anyway. That was God's call for him, and he went, not my will but thine be done. Don't give up on the church. You know, God created the church. I may say, God, I'm not sure I liked how you created this thing, but God created the church. He made it. Uh, the foundation of the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We come together around the good news of our story to tell to the world that, that it needs the good news of Jesus Christ, and we come to worship on Sundays like this. But don't give up. God made it. He has a reason for it. Yes, the church is messy, but so are you and me. It's a perfect place for grace and truth to abound and grow and for us to practice our faith together that we take out to live in our, into our world, our circumstances and situations. Don't give up on the church. The church is God's creation, as messy as it is, for messy people to gather and to come and sing about the grace of God. There's a story about a young lady that plays volleyball and how somewhere in that season she was able to say, Jesus, I want you, I want you to give this to you. And we do the same thing in our lives, different levels maybe different stories, different journeys, but still the same type of circumstance that we have. Don't give up on the church. Don't give up on the church. It's number two. Number three, keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eye on the prize. Very simple things I know. Uh, They're in the Bible. They're certainly a, a deep part of the scripture I read here a minute ago. Keep your eye on the prize. Now God, for whatever reason, has decided that you and I are of value. Somewhere in godness of God, he said, you're a value to me. Here's the value I place on you, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. Look at the cross. He died for me. While I was a yet sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. The Bible says, scarcely would God die for a righteous person, but God chose to die for us. Shows how much God values you and me. And so he values all of us as high as God can value you and me. He's shown it. He's revealed it. It's true. It's the story of the church. So we have a God who values us. Now, you have to decide what you value. God's made his choice already. He's made it clear, very specific, very straightforward. He values you and me. What do we value? What is the prize? A perishable wreath of olive leaves that just dry up and blow away? Or do we value God? Do we value our relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we value the life that we walk in relationship with, with him and how we choose to live. Uh, last, week, last week we called that, what Jesus said it was, the pearl of great price. We sell all that we have to go buy that pearl when we find it and live that out in our life. So, so keep your eye on the prize. There are many things around us that say, this is important, I'm important, you need this, you want this, you have to have that, that just dry up and blow away. There's one prize that is not. Paul said it's imperishable. It always is always will be. Everlasting to everlasting, the Psalms tell us those words, those words of pearl of great price. Well, the next one here is, grace is the lifeblood of winning. Don't give up on yourself. 
Uh, I believe and I'm convinced that the devil, and I believe in the devil, the devil wants us to give up on ourselves. The devil wants us to decide we're failures, we're worthless, we can't do it, there's no second chances. He wants to get down on ourselves, to live in guilt, and to believe that we're no value. The devil wants us to think that's true. I already said that God doesn't think that's true. And grace is the blood that flows through us. That second shot, that new movement, that next step, that that next swing, all the things that go into following through, it's always there for us because God is the one cheering us on. God wants that for us. God's encouraging us to keep on. Let me work in your life. Let me bless you. Let me carry you to a place you'd never be without me. God's always working on that for us. So so we have that picture that the Bible gives in multiple ways, and grace is the lifeblood in that, the energy, the spirit, the movement that carries us such a new place in such a new way, so different than the world we live in. And it challenges us to move on and to follow through in our life where God can work in ways he could not work otherwise. Well, the last one here is loving God is what keeps you moving, keeps you going and going and going. It's hard to stop when you love God. Now, we know that God loves us. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. You can sing it as well as I can. Uh, But hear me that the power of life is that we love God. God's love, it gives us grace. God's love means he works in my life. God's love means he saves my soul. God's love means he's always going to be with me. God's love means he's always going to give me a second chance. God's love means all all kinds of things in our life. But my love for God is what moves me and should move you, where we must move to that kind of powerful act of living for God. Think of what love moves you in your life to do and who you love and how you live and what you choose to do and not do. When you love God, you know, coming to church is, I get to go to church today. Loving God moves us. The more you know Christ, the more you love him. Loving is about the follow-through. The follow-through is about loving God. And that's where we move today. So move to the final uh, conclusion of the message today. Uh, Two things. First, I showed you the picture of the imperishable wreath. I mean, the perishable wreath. We work for one that's, that's perishable. It makes sense. I work so hard for this. Should I work hard for that as I walk with Christ, experience Christ? And those words that, that really uh, came to me a lot uh, that, that Emily said, that her coach told her, stop crying and get to work. You know, and I, I hear that myself. Because I can feel sorry for myself. You know, I can say, well, people start telling me this or that. I'm not hearing this. I'm not getting that. There's always some excuse, some reason to say that this is too hard. Following Jesus is too difficult. Things aren't going the way that I want them to. I had a bad race. My knees hurt. Nobody's plotting me when I finished. I'm out there training all by myself and nobody's there helping me. There's all kinds of reasons we can say I have a reason to quit. There'll always be a reason to quit. There will always be a reason to quit, to give up, to stop on Jesus, on your faith, and the church. But what do we want? What is our life about? What matters to us? What is of value to us? What is that imperishable wreath? So we hear the words, stop crying and get to work. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, for the word today, we thank you for it. Words in Corinthians that speak truth to us. This truth that you give us speak to our future. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.